What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host. And today, we're going to complete our second part on anger. Last episode, I did my best to help describe what is anger from a biblical perspective. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I encourage you to go back and check it out. But in sum, I said that you know your anger is something that really starts at the inner person, and it's often with a perceived judgment where you see something as unjust. And so, boom, your anger ignites. Uh, well, the next part of that definition was that sometimes we use anger to protect and to hide. And we don't want people to mess with something that's dear to us, so we respond in angry ways at them. So, anger is it's typically going to be something like that. And there's generally two ways that we see it express itself. By explosion, where we become the lava erupting volcano or where we clam up, we get quiet, we give the silent treatment, we avoid you. And both of those are examples of anger. So last episode, I finished by saying the goal, and this is the goal that I want to remind you of. You know, the goal is not technically that I would be a more peaceful person, first of all. The goal is not necessarily that my relationships would be strengthened. And yet, when we are less angry, especially when we're less sinfully angry, then those things do tend to happen. I typically am a more peaceful person, or my relationships are strengthened because I'm not as volatile. But really, the main goal for addressing our anger is that God would be honored and God would be praised, and that we would reflect back Jesus Christ thoroughly. And in the times when we're tempted to be angry, it's not about being peaceful per se, it's about we want to honor the Lord in this. So in today's episode, I really want to pick up with this idea with what do we do whenever we actually are angry or we've identified that maybe we do have an anger problem? How does the Bible speak to that and what are some things for us to consider? So let me start with the inner person stuff. Really, your anger is that moral judgment. It's you perceiving an injustice taking place and you're responding to it. One of the things that we really have to ask, am I angry over what angers God? We do know that God is angry, by the way. This is his wrath. It's his intense hatred of sin. And the Bible does speak about wrath being one of God's attributes. So we know that God is perfectly holy and righteous, and yet he intensely hates sin. Romans tells us to abhor what is evil. So we, we know, according to Ephesians 4, that as we read last episode, that we can actually be angry and not sin. That is possible. It may not be probable, but it is possible. So I, I do see that there is value in understanding that anger is not always wrong, but it tends to go wrong whenever I'm not angry over the right things to begin with. So when I'm angry over what angers God, it's, it's typically things that match what the Bible says injustice, mistreatment, 
sinful living, the defamation of, of God or a rejection of God's plan for your life. Like those things can tempt us to be angry. Why? Because those things are against God's will. But outside of the things that are counter to God's will, that's really where we start to kind of adjust what makes us angry and what doesn't. If I answer the question, no, I'm not angry over what would make God angry. I'm angry because my comfort has been disrupted. I'm angry because you embarrassed me. I'm angry because you didn't pay me as much as I wanted to be paid, yet I still have adequate pay. In each of those scenarios, I really have to start to think like, hey, this isn't something that would anger the Lord necessarily. So I need to be very cautious because this is not a sin, right or wrong issue. This is more a matter of wisdom or a matter of preference and opinion. So I'm not going to be super angry over things that are not directly connected to God's will. I'm not going to give myself to that. And so I may have to renegotiate a salary package, but I'm not going to do that in a way that makes me super angry if I don't get what I would like to get. So am I angry over what God is angry over? Is what what angers God really what angers me as well? So that's that's kind of the start. So when I've identified that that is true, yes, what I'm angry over really does anger the Lord, then I want you to think that the next step is I have to be able to express that in the right way. So I'm angry over the right things, but then I'm expressing that in the right ways. You know, you might recall there are times in American history where folks have been legitimately angry over injustices, things that are sinful and wrong, mistreatment by those in power and authority. And I would say those are warranted forms of anger. Anytime I see an injustice, I see someone in a a place of power taking advantage of someone in a place of vulnerability. I do kind of have like this brother mentality, the defender mentality. It's like, hey, that's not fair. I'm not okay with that. I'm not going to tolerate that to take place when I'm around. But I can let a right motivation lead to a wrong expression of my anger. I can be angry over the right things and express it in the wrong ways. And perhaps there's no better illustration than in the 90s, there was a gentleman who was angry about abortion and he then made an explosive to blow up an abortion clinic. And we would absolutely say, hey, abortion is sinful and wrong. It is murder. We're taking advantage of the unborn who cannot defend themselves. And yet to respond in a sinful way like that is also equally wrong. My wrong response is undermining my righteous anger in this moment. So when you're mistreated, There's a sense in which we could say, yes, you have legitimate reasons to be upset about that, for sure. And and you should not tolerate it. But yet, we are going to respond in ways that honor and please the Lord. It's not okay for me to respond in an unrighteous way when I'm treated unrighteously. That's what's so ironic about our anger is we almost legitimize sinful responses at times. Well, you know, you shouldn't have talked to me that way. That's why I retorted back those really unkind words. But in the end, it's like, well, I'm doing wrong to you and I'm mad about you doing wrong to me. Like, what what kind of crazy game am I playing here now? So I have to have clarity when I am angry over the right things, then the next step is that I would express it in the right ways, the ways that do please and honor the Lord. Maybe I do need to confront a person 
Matthew 18 and, and let them know that what they're doing is hurting me and it's upsetting to me. Maybe I do need to pursue legal recourse and that I, I have an individual who is trying to take advantage of my business and its policies and I have no choice but to say, hey, I, I need an attorney to help back me up. But I'm not going to be ungodly and unkind about it. I'm simply going to pursue legal recourse and the rights of an American citizen. Maybe in some way I'm going to show mercy and overlook it and I'm not really going to address it because I know that I don't have to. I'm still upset about it happening, but I'm going to cover it in love and do my best to show mercy like God shows mercy to me. And there are things that happen to us on a daily basis that were unkind, inconsiderate actions by others, and yet we choose to just show mercy and to move on with life. But in any of those scenarios, we understand we have the burden to respond in a way that pleases the Lord. So right motivations, the things that honor the Lord, the things that would make the Lord angry are what makes us angry. And when that occurs, we then feel the burden to respond in a way that pleases the Lord as well. So right things in the right ways. Next, I would like you to consider in general the things that contribute to us being angry people. Um. In a sense, as a Christian, when the Lord changes your heart, he begins to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You're familiar with these, Galatians 5, through 23. He begins to produce love, patience, gentleness, joy, peace. Um, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, what you will see is that a Christian's heart is not directly to be angry all of the time. If you find yourself being angry all of the time, then perhaps you're actually highlighting the wrong things in life. So as a Christian, I know that I should be an individual who has less temptations to be angry, and yet there are still things that would encourage me to be angry. If I am constantly riled up about something, number one, I'm probably watching the wrong news station. (laughs) That's not the way to start my day. And number two, I have to recognize that my goal is to be marked by gentleness and peace and patience and love and self-control, not to be marked by anger or indignation against wrongdoing. Character traits that are enumerated in Scripture in Galatians 5 or in Colossians 3 and 1 Peter chapter 1, we don't see indignation as something that is commended to the believer to pursue, that you should pursue being a person who is angry all the time. So in that, I'm balancing this, okay, I do want to have things that encourage me to be angry over what God is angry, but that shouldn't be something that is happening frequently in my life. And if it is, then I need to identify what's taking place. So we're going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, I'm going to do my best to help you identify what is taking place when you find yourself being angry all the time. We'll be right back. All right, folks, so we've been learning quite a bit about anger from Dr. Gifford today, but let's take just a small break and talk about some resources that I know you're definitely going to want to check out, especially if you struggle like me with anger. Our website at transform.org, you're going to find a ton of resources that help with whatever issues you might be struggling with. And if you are struggling with anger, we've got a fantastic book that I would recommend. It's called Good and Angry by David Pallison. 
Let me give you just a little taste of what you're going to find inside that book. He says, quote, anger has a way of revealing what's truly important to us. When we're angry, we're often defending something we care about deeply. The trick is learning to respond in a way that brings healing, not destruction. That's something I know we can all benefit from, even if we struggle with anger or not. And if you are struggling with anger, I recommend you read the entire book. You can grab your copy of Good and Angry at Transformed.org. I promise you're going to thank me for it later. While you're there, I would appreciate if you would consider showing your support for Transform by becoming a gospel partner. Your donations help us to continue producing this podcast and also the Transform TV series, and we can continue to tackle tough emotional issues with biblical guidance. Just visit transform.org. You'll find out more about joining our mission and helping people experience true transformation through the power of God's Word. Now, let's talk about your journey to becoming a biblical counselor, because if you're interested in becoming a biblical counselor and building a biblical counseling ministry in your local church at transform.org, while you're there, I would commend to you to check out Christ-Centered Biblical Counseling by Bob Kellerman and Steve Byers. Listen to this, quote, God's comprehensive cure for the world's counseling conundrum is multifaceted and holistic. The hope that biblical counselors offer is the hope of the gospel, the message of repentance and faith in Christ. In this book, it's the perfect starting point for anyone who is looking to become a biblical counselor. Or even if you just want to learn more about this subject, head over to transform.org and pick it up. You'll start making a difference in the lives of people around you, even if you're not interested in becoming a full-fledged biblical counselor. And hey, before we get back to Dr. Gifford and all of his wisdom on anger this week, Don't forget that if you're struggling with a specific issue and you would like to get Dr. Gifford's take on it, you can email him at gregtransform.org. And you can stay anonymous if you want, because we know these issues can be sensitive. And our goal is to offer help, not embarrassment. So go ahead, send those questions in to gregtransform.org, and you may hear him answer on a future episode of Transformed. And with that, let's dive back into the show and hear more from Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back. We've been discussing anger and biblical clarity regarding anger. Okay, I've just said, what happens if I am angry all the time? What do I need to identify in my life? I'd like you to grab your Bible and to go with me to James chapter 1 to start off with. And James chapter 1 speaks about anger, and it does so in the context of man's anger. And James is going to say that man's anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So this is verse 19 of James 1. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This it seems at, at times odd why he would say this. Uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Your anger is connected to your ability to speak and also your ability to listen. The question that I proposed is, what if I am angry all the time? Like, what are maybe some diagnostic things I need to do? 
Well, I need to ask myself, am I a good listener or am I a terrible listener? I find, and you guys may disagree with me, feel free to to let me know if this is something that feels totally off base, but I find that the people that are the most angry in life, that are constantly frustrated and upset by something, they're often the worst listeners, and it's hard to reason with them uh, because they don't take the time to understand a situation, and then they just in, inherently get mad. It's almost like a response. But James says you should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. What I'm proposing is that you're being quick to hear and slow to speak will actually make you slow to anger. If you find yourself being an angry person, then the reality is that you're probably slow to hear, quick to speak, and that's why you're quick to anger. Because you don't take the time to seek to listen and to understand what's taking place in a circumstance. James 1.19 shows us the value of listening and listening in such a way that we're seeking to understand. Okay, let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's see if I can continue to show you this. I want to go to the Proverbs. And Proverbs is going to give us wisdom principles. Some of them are about an angry person or a person who is slow to anger. So let's go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. That's the point. Uh, if if you are a person who is slow to anger, then what does that say about you? Well, it says that you have great understanding, number one. Let's say it conversely. If I'm a person who's quick to anger, I lack understanding. The person who is hasty to their temper exalts folly. Both of these verses are speaking about similar things. You see, in James chapter 1, we have a concept of listening and then speaking and then anger. And here we have anger being connected to understanding. Well, how do I grow in being a person of understanding? You know, is there like a, an award-winning book that I could grab? Listening to understand in five easy steps. I wish it were that simple, to be honest. I wish there was like a program I could download on my phone. And then all of a sudden I was a better listener and I understood more. But that's not the way it works. Understanding is the result of you being a good listener over time. So you're doing your best to ask questions and to seek to figure out the nuances of a situation. Understanding is the result of listening, but people that listen don't always grow in understanding. Sometimes they're just pausing and waiting to retaliate. You might go back to the episodes we did on communication, and I did my best to establish listening as kind of this foundational skill in communication because listening is, is not always that I'm using that information to grow in understanding. I'm just taking a breath, you know, or I'm pausing, or I'm zoned out while you're talking. But understanding is facilitated by being an individual who listens. So if you're slow to anger, it is connected to your listening skills, for instance. And those skills should facilitate you understanding. Um, now, if you're thinking this through carefully, let's go to a scenario that seems inconsiderate until I understand what's taking place. Okay? Let's go to the grocery store line. Bum, bum, bum. 
the grocery store line. There is this one grocery store in town that I almost want to avoid because they have one checker open most of the time I'm there. And it feels like every person in Southern California shows up at this grocery store about the time I'm there to get two items. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, please come back right now and deliver me from this. Okay, apart from my selfishness in that moment, inevitably what will happen is another checker then will come and open up and they'll grab somebody out of line and then take them over to their register. And it's kind of like this VIP treatment. And the rest of us are in line thinking like, well, what in the world, man? You know, like we were here. Why do they get to go? Ah, you know, it's like a riot starts to break out. We're sharpening our milk jugs. Let me reorient the situation. I could be tempted to anger if I think, well, you know what? That checker should have actually picked me first and then taken me over there and given me the VIP private checking treatment. But if I say, you know what? Uh, the reason they grabbed that person is because that lady has young children and the young children are getting restless and they're kind of done being in here. And so the checker grabbed that lady with young children because she's just trying to wrestle these children and pay for these groceries. And it makes perfect sense to me why the checker would grab them and not the single adult male who is standing by himself with two items. You know, I can kind of take care of myself here. The reality is that situation didn't change a whole lot. She still got to go before me and get the VIP treatment. But I understand why the checker might go to her first and say, ma'am, can I help you? And can you come to aisle three or to counter three over here and I'll check out your groceries? So your, your difference is not the circumstance. Your difference is your understanding in that circumstance. So if I'm sitting in line and I'm stewing and I'm like, you know, why did they get her manager? Um, then I can actually grow to be an angry person. But if I'm like, you know what? It does make sense. She's got three young kids with her. She needs more help than I do right now. I'll be fine. Um, yes, you should grab her in the end. Then I'm not angry and I'm not tempted to be angry. Now, you could duplicate that scenario about two dozen times throughout your day by you seeking to understand what will take place is you'll actually have less temptations to be angry. You see, your temptations to be angry are often connected to a lack of understanding on your part. Most situations that come across as inconsiderate have reasonable explanations. doesn't mean I always agree with them or agree with the priorities of that situation, but most of them are reasonable. There are a few belligerent people that we're surrounded by, of course, and there's no reasonable explanation for why they do what they do. But whenever I'm seeking to grow in being less angry, I need to start to ask questions. And so do you. I wonder why they chose her instead of me. Well, could it do with the three children that she has with her right now and the full basket of groceries that she has? And I have two items here. In that scenario, by me asking questions and coming to conclusions and gathering some facts about the scenario, I'm actually growing an understanding. So the result is that I'm, I'm then able to say something like, oh, well, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense why they grabbed her and she got priority. When you are able to ask questions, what you will find is that your temptations to be angry actually go down. They go down. When you're in a situation that's kind of annoying, frustrating, you feel the blood pressure starting to rise, then default to seeking to understand what's taking place here. And that default response is going to necessitate questions. 
I'm asking questions to understand, hey, why is this happening? Hey, why do I think they did that? Hey, what's taking place here? Did you mean to do that? Is this what you intended to say? You said this. Is this what you meant by saying that? By me defaulting to questions and asking questions, what will take place is I will grow in understanding. And according to Proverbs 14, 29, if I have great understanding, I will be slow to anger. There will be occasions where I will still get angry, but it's not going to be every day and it's not going to be every hour of the day for sure. If I don't have good listening skills and I'm unwilling to ask myself, does this anger God, then I will find it terribly difficult to be able to grow in addressing my anger. But if you're able to ask some of these questions about what is motivating you right now and are you listening to understand the circumstance, then you will see that God uses that in significant ways to actually quell temptations to be angry and the responses that you take when you actually are angry. So if you have questions about this or other things that I'm saying in the episodes, I've encouraged you to write in greg at transformed.org and I'll take an episode to answer some of your questions. Some of those can be nuanced about anger or just in general topics about what I've said. So let me pray for you guys before we end today. Lord, you are angry in perfect ways, and we often are angry in imperfect ways. There are things that are wrong that should rightly annoy us and frustrate us and and incite a level of, of injustice and a, a repudiating or rejecting that injustice. But yet, may you give us grace to be like you in your anger, where you are perfectly patient. You are perfectly holy and merciful. May we never justify our sinful actions because of an injustice that we have perceived. May we never once give in to a a belief that we can't control our anger. May we always see that you are with us to give us grace to honor you in the circumstances we are in. And that should be something that brings us joy and brings you glory. So we ask for help in this and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.